Hello everyone, broadcasting live, February 16th, 2000, 2016. So today we have a quote on a good person. What it means to be a good person. The actual quote is, um, it's a little bit more than this, it's kind of a nice quote. So when a good person is born, it is for the good welfare and happiness of many. It's for the good of the mother and father, wife and children, slaves, workers and servants, friends and companions, and ascetics and Brahmins. So that's the quote that we have on our site. The actual sutta continues on and says, just as a great rain cloud nurturing all the crops appears for the good welfare and happiness of many people, so too, and then it repeats itself, when a good person is born in a family, it is for the good welfare and happiness of many people. And then there's a poem, which probably doesn't sound as beautiful in the English. Hito bahunang patipadja boge Tang devata rakati damagutang Bahusutang silawat tupapanang Dame titang Dame titang Navijahati kiti Damatang silasampanang Satchawading hiri manang ne kang jambo nadaseva kotang ninditum marati deva pe nang pasang santi brahmuna pe pasang sito. In, in traditional Buddhist societies, reciting the verses in Pali is but really, according to Buddhist tradition, it's listening to the Dhamma, even if you can't understand it, is beneficial. As you can think to yourself, this is the Buddha's words. This is as close as we come nowadays to the kind of things that the Buddha probably said. It's in a language that's very similar to what was spoken at the time, or what we gather was spoken at the time. And it appears to be things that he or he said or people around him remember him saying, that kind of thing. So the translation of that verse. The deities protect one guarded by the Dhamma, who has managed his wealth for the welfare of many. Fame does not forsake one steadfast in the Dhamma, who is learned and virtuous, who is learned and of virtuous behavior and observances. Who is fit to blame him standing in Dhamma, accomplished in virtuous behavior, a speaker of truth, 
possessing a sense of shame, pure like a coin of refined gold. Even the devas praise him. By Brahma too, he is praised. That's Bhikkhu Bodhi's translation. A good person. A good person. It's a very central part of Buddhism. You know, I've talked a lot about this idea of goodness being a central concept in Buddhism. You know, if you wanted to be a little clearer, maybe purity is, especially from a meditative point of view, purity is maybe more precise. But uh, I don't think purity has the same ring to it in a general sense as goodness. Purity, of course, is ironically a word that has been sullied, right? way we use purity nowadays it's often a word that means different things purity and goodness are really one and the same or you could say purity is the greatest goodness but what it means is being a good person Um, the problem, of course, is that being a good person, just saying being a good person doesn't mean a heck of a lot. Because obviously everyone has different ideas of what it means to be a good person. Goodness also doesn't. But the core point that we can make from a Buddhist point of view about this concept is that it's far more core than any other religious tradition, I think, or regardless it's important to point out this is the core tenant in Buddhism, goodness. And I've talked about this before. Not, not belief in something, not adherence to something, not culture, not ritual, but goodness. So that, that is different from other traditions which have views and opinions and ideas. Buddhism, purity or goodness is really the central concept. So a good person is an important thing to talk about. Now the Buddha at one point does give a, an interesting and a, a, a description of a sapurisa, a good, a good person. Yeah, that's of interest to us. So it's something I actually talk about often. I'm pretty sure I've given talks on it. I know I've given talks, I'm pretty sure I've made at least one video on it. But we can go through them again here. Useful to talk about, not just for meditators, but also for people living in the world. What is it that makes a good person? There's many ways of answering that, but the Buddha gives an interesting list at one point. In the Nikaya, I think, Book of Sevens, Seven Things. Dhammanyutta, Atanyutta, Atanyutta, that's twice, Atanyutta, Atanyutta, different. Matanyutta, Kalanyutta, 
Dhammanyutta knows the Dhamma. Atthanyutta knows the meaning of the Dhamma. Atthanyutta knows oneself. Matanyutta knows moderation or amounts. Kalanyutta knows time. Pugalaparopranyuta uh, knows how to differentiate between people, one person and another. And Parisanyuta knows uh, communities or society. So Dhammanyuta knows the Dhamma. Dhamma-nyutta and atta-nyutta, the dhamma and the atta, these are the two aspects of the dhamma. From a purely scholarly point of view, it means to know about the dhamma and to understand the meaning of it. So, for example, the word sapurisa, to know uh, the idea of a sapurisa, and then to, that's dhamma-nyutta. Or you could even say to know what are the seven Sapurisa Dhamma, that's Dhammanyutta. But to know the meaning behind them, to understand them, that's Atanyutta. But this, this, this combination is understood in different ways. Another way that it's understood is um, to know the Dhamma intellectually is Dhammanyutta. But to actually understand it from a uh, from an experiential point of view, that's Atanyutta. So you can say you understand it intellectually, but true understanding is through meditation practice. It's not enough to know the Dhamma. It's not even enough to understand it intellectually. Atanyutta means to know the meaning, to understand it, truly understand it. But another curious way that this um, combination is understood is Dhamma-nyutta is, is Dhamma, to understand things. And atta nyutta, atta translates, of course, as meaning or uh, goal, it can mean. But it's translated as, or it's explained as the effect of dhammas. So a dhamma is something that has a, that, is, that acts as a cause, that has a result. Ethical dhammas, kusala dhamma, akusala dhamma. And atta nyutta is the result of those dhammas. So dhamma nyutta and atta nyutta means to know, also to know cause and effect. To understand that defilements lead to suffering. To understand that wholesome minds lead to happiness. To see that, to understand that. To know that is the, is the meaning of these two. Uh, atta nyutta, number three, atta without an H means self. To know oneself. And from a societal point of view, this means to know your place, right? Know your place in society. 
Know your place in the family, know your place. Um, and to, to, uh, to be aware of yourself, to be aware of what you're saying, what you want to say, to be aware of your emotions so that you don't let them guide you, right? So you don't become a slave of your emotions. Like in society, if something bothers you and you speak up, that's uh, sometimes you speak up out of anger. That can cause problems. You speak up out of greed, so you manipulate other people. Or you speak up out of delusion, or you act out of greed, anger, delusion. This means not knowing yourself. And, or, you know, when we embarrass ourselves. So this idea of a, a sapurisa, part of it is just, uh, atanyuta, part of it just means to to not forget your place, to not forget yourself, to not um, become absent-minded, to be clearly aware of what you're saying, what you're doing. And be clearly aware of how you're acting towards other people. So it still has much to do with mindfulness, but it's more of a general sort of how we understand it in the world. I mean, these seven things are probably things that most people can understand on a superficial level. Even even non-Buddhists, to know yourself, to not to not be arrogant or conceited or inflate yourself up, but to be aware of your strengths and weaknesses, to be aware of your mind. But of course, on a mental level, on a, or sorry, on a meditative level, this is, it takes on a much deeper meaning, right? To really understand yourself, it's. Um, it's a surprise, it's a shock really to many people when they begin to meditate maybe they begin to meditate they've heard it's good um, they've heard of the benefits of it but that's about it they've never, they're not coming to meditate because they've seen most of us don't come to meditate because we've seen exactly what's going on in our minds we have problems maybe so maybe to some extent we know that we have problems but only when we look inside, only when we meditate, do we really see the extent of what's really going on. And that can be a great shock. Uh, often when I teach meditation, the first thing people will say is, wow, I didn't really know that my mind was like this. And as you go deeper and deeper, you're just amazed at the nature of the mind that you never had any clue about. So this is, this is the benefit of meditation, you really know yourself. We can talk in general sense about you know, being mindful of your behavior in society and so on. But to do it is something else, right? We can say it, but we still get upset. We still, we still act inappropriately at times. When you meditate, when you really get deep and, and, and really learn about yourself, you can root out many of the problems. And moreover, you can build the skills um, that help you deal with situations, help you deal with problems, help you deal with society, with people and so on. So that's Atanyuta. You could even go deeper than that and 
say ironically, atta means to know that we have no self, that, that self is just a concept. Of course, the Buddha never said that. He never said there is no self. What he did say is that things are not self. So take from that what you will. But it's important to be clear about that, to say, I have no self or I don't exist or something, is to already start at the wrong, within the wrong framework. See, all these things about determinism and free will and self and God and so on, they're all abstractions. Buddha was very clever. It's clear, clear that this was an enlightened being because he avoided that. He avoided saying there is this, there is this. He, he focused specifically on what really is. He was a pragmatist, as I found out, which means he focused on reality. He focused on what was happening. He didn't make claims about, he didn't make a lot of claims about self and so on, God. He made claims about what he could, what he could see, what he had seen. And that was that, well, this is not self. That's not self. Nothing is self. That would be a better way of putting it. If you wanted to say anything, if, the, if you say the Buddha said there is no self, that's not what he said. He said nothing is self. There. I think you could really quote that. So, and that's an important distinction. Because it's, you know, it's not that we want to say, oh, well, maybe there is a self. That's not what it means. It means don't look at the world that way. There is this, there is that. Look at things. Look at what does exist and then try to understand that. It's a very important distinction, especially for meditators. Because spe it's speculation to say, is there a self? Is, do we have free will? Do we not have free will? Look at what's really going on and try to understand it. Don't ask questions about what is and what isn't. Ask questions about what is, about the things that are. Don't ask what is, ask the nature of what is. Right? This is what we do in meditation. It's what meditation is for. It's what science is for, really. To understand what is. So when we, when we watch, when we straighten our minds out, when we, using the word, reminding ourselves of what's happening, keeping our mind objective, we come to understand ourselves and to understand by, by extension that nothing is self. What's atanyutta? Then we have matanyutta. Matanyutta is a more practical one. So no moderation. You know, there's lots of things that get in the way of our practice. Sleeping too much, eating too much, talking too much, socializing too much, working too much. All of these things will, will affect your practice. So here I'm, I'm very strict with the meditators. They must get angry at me at times. I used to be very strict because I'd heard about these meditation centers where, where, where they were very, very strict with meditators. So I'd actually, you know, patrol and make sure they weren't talking together. Here we're not so strict until you get to the end of the course and then we're kind of strict. So beware, if you come here at the beginning, it seems kind of easy, we kind of let you loose, but anyone here can attest it gets harder at the end. We have two meditators here now, they're both named Thomas. 
I think there's another Thomas coming later on in the springs. A lot of Thomases. So yeah, you have to have moderation. So moderation in eating, that's the big one. That's the one that the Buddha often talked about. It's one my teacher often talked about. I used to always wonder why he always stressed when we had these talks in the morning and at night. Moderation in food. I was like, well, why is that such a big deal? Because we only eat, you know, in the morning. I mean, is it really? And then I found out that, well, actually, you know, he didn't hear this from me, but he says on the internet, he didn't hear this from me, but a lot of monks don't keep the the rule of only eating in the morning. Turns out that kind of stopped keeping that rule. I mean, Mahayana monks mostly throw it out the window. But in Theravada as well, there's a lot of monks who just can't, I don't know, just can't take eating only in the morning. We eat to live, you know. If, you, if you're working all day, then you need lots of food. If you're just meditating all day or studying, you need less food. And so we eat to live, not live to eat. Some people just eat because they, they enjoy the taste. And that gets in the way of your practice. So they eat snacks and so on. We should look at food as medicine. The Buddha said, like, uh, the alms bowl that we use is like a medicine pan. In the old days, they would put medicine in a pan and mix it up, of course. That's how you made your medicine. No more, no pills. Medicine was herbs and so on. So our, our plate should be like a medicine pan. We should think of it as a medicine pan. This is my medicine that I have to eat. We shouldn't eat food that's harmful. Fatty foods, fried foods, all that stuff. We should eat food like medicine. should be good for us. Or it should keep us alive at least. And then the others, of course, we have talking and sleeping and working. To be careful of that. When you're on a meditation course especially, but even in the world, don't work too much. Work enough to, to get by. Don't worry about getting a promotion or so on. You know, be content. Be content with the job you've got. Be content with the work you have. Uh, don't sleep too much. So here when meditators come to practice, they have to sleep not more than six hours in the beginning. So the new Thomas, I didn't tell you, but you have to know no more than six hours if you didn't already know. And... Working well here at the meditation center, we have to, there are jobs that have to be done, so sometimes you have to sweep. You should clean the bathroom and clean, keep your room clean. And we have to shovel snow. I went out and shoveled snow today. Not professionally, I didn't do the whole thing, but just enough for people to walk. Felt bad about people walking by our monastery having to trudge through the snow, so it's nice to be able to do that for people. It's also the law, apparently. But you have, so you have to do some work. But you do the work that you need to, and you do it mindfully as you can. 
try to remember to be mindful. And then you quit, then you quit and you meditate, you know. Don't don't let your life be about work, don't let it be about sleep, don't let it be about food. Let it be about Dhamma. Matanyutta, you have to know moderation. You also have to know moderation in Dhamma. It means you have to take breaks in between practice. Don't just meditate 24 hours a day. Take breaks in between each practice. Matanyutta. Then Kalanyutta, to know time. It doesn't mean to know what time it is. That's not, that's not a part of this. I mean, it could be. Maybe you could argue that knowing what time it is is useful. It's important to know what time it is. To be on time. Be on time is probably more important, more, more to the point in society. Of course, on time varies quite a bit depending on what society you're in. So I've been in some cultures, some countries, I won't name names, where no one's ever on time as far as I can see. The idea of a clock, the idea of a, a specific time is just so foreign. There are other cultures where even you know what time it is, being late is expected. So people never expect you to be on time. I think more to the point in society is to know the right time. You can say the right thing at the wrong time and it's not useful. Sometimes you have something important to tell someone, but if they're not ready to hear it, if they're busy, right? You can't just interrupt people, you can't just talk at any time. You have to know the right time. I know one monk who was very obsessed about this. I don't I haven't seen him in a long time, but he was telling me that uh, everything has a time. Anyway, I won't go into it, but it's, it's interesting to bring up because it is possible to get too obsessed with these things. Um, there's something, you, know, you have to be mindful of time, mindful of the right time for things. Doesn't mean to obsess over time or to worry about the right time. So, some people also worry that they've missed their opportunity. They've missed opportunities, right? So they worry too much about they've run out of time and so on. Shouldn't worry about that. But then other people waste their time, right? Procrastinate things off or don't don't or think they've got lots of time right think ah oh, yeah I'm still young got lots of years left I don't have to start meditating now I can wait until I'm old people who say that people who think that we should have a sense of urgency about time not wasting time. Knowing time is important, but from a meditative point of view, you could argue that this, but this really, the most important aspect of time is to know the difference between the present moment and not the present moment. So know the difference between past, present, and future. 
adita nanwa kami yana patikang keyanagatam. One should not go back to the past or worry about the future. One sees clearly what arises in the present moment. Pachupana means it's translated as present, but it's interesting what it means. Pati, upana, what arises. In Thai they say, rises in front of you that arises now but the but they mean specifically or only or just just arisen there's a there's a categorical difference between present past and future past and future are similar in that neither one really exists the difference between those two and the present moment is categorical when you meditate you see this you see the difference thinking about something in the past worrying about something in the future has a profound profoundly different feeling from contemplating the present moment from really being here and now when you're here and now that you're alive you're awake when you're in the past and in the future, you're, you're asleep, you're dead. So knowing time is, is understanding that. Knowing this time, right? What this, the, the, the time, the time that you are in, knowing that time, that's Kalanita. That's the real, the most important aspect of it. So Kalanyutta, did I get them all? Dhammanyutta, Atanyutta, Matanyutta, Matanyutta, Kalanyutta. Yeah, two more. Pugala Paroparanyutta, knowing the difference among people. Knowing the difference between this person and that person. One person and another. Everybody's different. You can't treat people all the same. You shouldn't treat them all with mindfulness. You shouldn't treat them all with compassion. The kindness but you have to know the difference between people some people are going to drag you down if you let them some people are going to lift you up if you let them so which one do you follow if you follow everyone you get nowhere you go nowhere you listen to the advice of all people you get pulled in all different directions if you let all people get close to you you, you can never direct yourself in the right direction. You hang out with uh, unwholesome individuals, people who are bent on unwholesomeness. You can be judged in the same way as them and you can pick up their bad traits, this kind of thing. So in society it's important to be able to be distinguishing not the word distinguishing to be uh, discerning be able to discern different people the differences between people 
You have to be careful not to just follow people blindly. Good people can turn out to be uh, to be hypocrites, hiding secrets, hiding their faults. It's important for a teacher to know the differences among their pupils. It's important for I mean, for a meditation teacher. I wouldn't say it's really that important for meditators, except that you know the difference between your teacher and everybody else, because you shouldn't be uh, getting advice from anyone else. You shouldn't be really socializing with anybody but your teacher during the meditation course. But for living in society, it's an important one, as well as Parisanyuta. Parisanyuta knows different company, different society know how to act in certain societies. So in, in India at the time of the Buddha, this seems to have been an important thing. There seems to have been a distinction or a, there were distinct groups. So uh, there were the, the royal, the, the warrior class, there were the priest class, there was the merchant class, there was the, uh, the ser servant class. And understanding how to behave amongst different people in society was an important thing. In med for meditators, you know, you could, you could expand it, and of course it's meaningful to know how to behave in, in a meditative society among meditators, and to know the difference, to know which societies, you know, going to a bar is not probably the best thing if you're a meditator. To be aware of those social uh, communities that are going to be of, ben of benefit to understand what makes a wholesome community. You know, people set up Dhamma groups, this kind of thing, because they know, they understand the importance of community. That's another thing. As meditators, coming to a meditation center can be a great benefit because you're in a community of people who are also meditating and talking about the Dhamma and so on. To understand that, that's a, an important thing. Otherwise people won't come. If they don't understand it, they won't be interested in finding a community. Because you know? there are communities out there who are making a community. If there's no meditation community in your, in your area, then you can create your own. Anyway, those are the seven Satpurisa Dhamma. That's one way of looking at what makes a good person. Seven things we should remember. Uh, my teacher would often remind us of these things. He said they're kind of like social, it's kind of like social, uh, what's the word he used? Understanding society. So useful for Buddhists in general. Somewhat also useful for meditators. Anyway. That's the Dhamma for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. If anybody has questions, post the Hangout link. You can come on and talk to me. Or if you want to just yell at me, maybe someone has some complaints. Uh, you guys can go back.
So anybody want to come on the hangout? Talk to me. Say hello. Otherwise, I'm going to head out. did say we were going to do a Dhammapada tonight, which we're not going to do, maybe tomorrow. should also get back into the Buddhism 101 videos. I think Buddhism 101 has good potential, because I was only going to do like four or five of them, but then I realized I could just start talking about lots of different things, you know, lots of basic Buddhist concepts. I don't know. I've got so many different things. Now we're doing second life talks, so that'll be a new thing. Dhammapada is never going to be finished probably at this rate. If I look weird, it's because I bit my lip. Like I was watching the video and it looks like I'm kind of sneering or something. <laughs> because what a big, uh, something's wrong inside my mouth. Anyway, all right, let's call it a night. Thank you all for coming. Wishing you all the best. <laughs>